You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Welcome back. My name is Maddie and Bill Hader is single. Okay. I am Scout and welcome to OKSIS Podcast. We are Sisters IRL and yes, Bill Hader is single. Why Maddie hasn't been arrested for stalking yet is beyond me. Yeah. So the news came out that Bill Hader and Rachel Bilson have, um, as others have called it, unfortunately broken up. But to me, this is just like a blessing. This is my time to shine and swoop in. Actually, it was the best birthday present one could ever give me. Yeah, because I feel like on your birthday, it was announced or like on some momentous occasion, it was announced that he was dating Rachel Bilson and it was very sad for you. Yeah. So here we are six months later and um, it just uh, fizzled out the love, the lust I don't think it was real, true connection as he would have had with me. So we'll just wait and see if I can find him at Amoeba Records, which I do hang around quite often to try to find him. Okay. Well, who knows if he's even in LA right now with quarantine going on, but I wish you the best of luck. I really hope you can manifest this into your life. Um, more importantly, I hope we can manifest having him as the first male guest on OKSIS because that would be superb i will email his publicist yet again after this episode Amazing. and say what's up you know we're on like a first name basis his publicist and myself i don't think he's told bill Hader about us but he's keeping me entertained at the prospect which i appreciate we so we'll yeah we we'll see how that see goes it. we love to how, see it so uh we just had your birthday mads do we want to recap your birthday extravaganza Yes, the birthday extravaganza, although, you know, very intimate because of the coronavirus, um, we went to this amazing hotel called Surfrider in Malibu, which I have been wanting to go to. I've been, I've been, it's been my top hotel I've been wanting to visit um, since it opened a couple of years ago. So, you know, when you walk in, it's like you walked into an Instagram because you've seen the hotel so many times on your feed, or at least I have. So when I walked in, I was like, oh, I am in Instagram. I am in it, in the app. Um, that is to say, it is just absolutely aesthetically superior and and delectable and beautiful it's just like i am going to give this hotel inspiration to my interior designer when i am emma chamberlain level millionaire okay that being said um we did stay there and it was great and it was um very covid clean it was amazing um and then you know your girls went to the beach hate the beach we went failed, for like one failed one at second. the beach yeah. We did we meet a porn our, star, though. 
We met a porn star on the beach. Um, we had our Coleman chairs. No, no ads, no ads, but they are the best beach chairs that you will ever purchase. Dude, Adam um, already stole mine and took mine to the beach yesterday. Yeah, because you're probably not ever going to use it again. Yeah, but guess what's in my car right now? What? A fuck ton of sand. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, uh, we, we, it's because we got trampled by the ocean. Um, usually my beach chair doesn't get wet, but um, this was a new experience for me, getting wet at the beach. So, Well, we just had like a lot of issues. Like we posted up and someone was like, this is private property, move. And we're like, fuck that. So we moved and then the ocean came up and then we moved again and then my top almost fell off and then my hat fell off and then my shoes went in the ocean and then we met a porn star and then we were drinking rosé. I mean, it was a very, you know, it was an intense experience for us. It was very intense. Then we just, you know, we're like, you know what? Why are we even, why are we doing this to ourselves? This is not the true, like, this is not our true selves and this is not our truth. And so we abandoned the beach uh, immediately thereafter. And then we uh, snuck into Nobu. I'm just kidding. Uh, we we called them incessantly because they're just like little pretentious over there. And they were like, you can try to walk in, but we highly don't recommend it because we're just like super booked. And you know what? We walked right in and got yeah. a table. Looked at the ocean, sat outside. It was so beautiful. Had the best salmon nigiri I've ever had in my life. We had to order another multiple rounds of that situation and then we were like you know what this shit's expensive and I'm still hungry so we went to Jack in the Box. So we went to Jack in the Box the one right across the street from Nobu Malibu (laughs) and we went through the drive-thru and we order our food and then I'm just like very drunk screaming and so the woman was just really fed up with me and my my screeching and my volume of my voice so she told us to like pull up to the next window um, lo and behold, there was no next window. So she, this woman just told us to leave, essentially. And so we back after up. After we had God paid. Was, after we had paid. Yeah. Thank God no one was behind us. So we back up. We're like, excuse me, like there is no window over there. She was like, okay, whatever. Like she just was so, this poor woman working at Jack in the Box that like on a, on a Thursday night, I felt, I, I, if you're listening, you know, we, we we're, hope, sorry. We wish you the best. we're sorry. We're sorry. We wish you the best, but we got chicken nuggets. We got mini churros. It was a whole and situation. Then, and then we watched Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which is just a mouthful. Um, and then I passed the fuck out. Um, and then we were, we had the biggest hangover of our lives, which I don't think I've been hungover in 2020. And so okay, that was I wouldn't, a unique I wouldn't, experience. I wouldn't call it the biggest hangover of my life, but I, I was just a little slower. I wasn't like totally killing myself. I was just a little slower. I just like forgot what a hungover means and what it feels like. And I'm like, I would like to never participate in this feeling ever again. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But overall, beautiful birthday. I was so happy to spend it with you, Mads, and just have a little sister retreat. I was so honored that I got to spend your birthday with you and I beat Aww. out your boyfriend. So that's right. Well, you didn't um, beat him out. He's just like scared of the COVID. So. Well, okay. Let's just pretend that I beat him out so I can okay. have my moment. Okay. Um, so yeah, I already miss you. I feel like I have been recovering since Malibu. I've not had that much activity in my life for a very long time. So that is where I'm at. I'm like happy to be home with all of my products that I put all over my body, um, which actually lends me to the most amazing thing ever is that I got out of the shower this morning and put a bunch of moisturizer on, looked over, had my light blue Queen VPH spritzer, sprayed my vagina with rose water, and my vagina has been smelling good, feeling fresh and beautiful all day, thanks to Queen V, baby. Yes, we love a good Queen V spritz. Um, my favorite product is the Live in Libido Loca. Everyone knows my sex drive has been plummeting for some reason. And this is something that will just like rush all the blood to that area so that when you are ready to pounce on your boyfriend and your girlfriend or just solo pounce on yourself, it'll get you in that mood. Yeah, so Queen V is a brand that focuses on normalizing the conversations surrounding women's health. It is basically a very easy to follow three-step process to maintaining, healing, and enjoying your Queen V, aka your vagina. And if you are an avid listener of OKSIS, you know we had the founder Lauren on the podcast earlier this year. So she's also just such a delight and it's such a brand we can get behind. One, because it's fucking affordable for women. Like women's health should not have to be an expensive, bougie situation. It should be 
be better for you ingredients, gynecologist recommended, dermatologist recommended, accessible, inexpensive, and not taboo, which is exactly what Queen Queen V does with their cute little branding. And so we are giving the sisterhood 30% off, which is a huge discount with the discount code OKSIS30. That's OKSIS30. So we take care of our skin. We take care of our hair. We take care of our body. It is time to take care of our vaginas. Amen to that. Do you know how much kombucha I've had to drink today? It's like alarming. I think I'm high off kombucha. Yeah, you know it's kombucha. Whatever. Whatever. Kombucha. 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 Um, Fabulous. Let's uh, do a sneaky transition to sneaky housekeeping. Okay, so sisters, we have a secret Facebook group. It's fucking popping. Okay, sisters. We have an Instagram at OKSIS Podcast. We have a newsletter. Go to OKSISPodcast.com to sign up or go to the link in our bio on our Instagram. It has all these links, baby. We have merch with Girl Gang the label. We have cute sweatsuits that say support your sisters. We have cute mugs that say support your sisters. Tote bags, bucket hats. Stuff motherfucking works. And on top of all this, if you dig OK Sis and you like listening to Mads and I do whatever the fuck we do every week here, you can text us to a friend, which is super fun. Oh, my God. Or you can rate, review, subscribe. Woohoo. And we actually read all of our reviews and they're really, really nice. We actually had a review and she wrote something that I don't understand. So we'll talk about that later. But anyways, that is the rundown. Also, um, we're going to be starting a review section on our Instagram. So if you want to post some funny, silly reviews and just like let out your creativity, um, you can be featured on our Instagram as a post or as a story. Also, um, we started an advice segment that just like really didn't take off, but maybe because we haven't reminded people that this is something like we're doing now. So if you'd like to email us a problem and you need to be like a little more thorough than just like one sentence so that we can get you know, context. Um, but we're going to call it ask your sister. Okay. Yeah. You should probably like put a story on Instagram with that because I feel like that's where people do shit like that. Anyways, I'm really stoked about that. Okay. This episode is so great because we have Allie Grant from Be Social Agency. Basically you've seen Be Social all over Instagram. They're the agent that literally reps every influencer and every bachelor star known to mankind. And they actually started in San Diego. So I've actually known about them for years and years and years and has kind of sort of watched their progression to move to Los Angeles and become this kick-ass fucking agency where they represent over a hundred influencers and talent, which is crazy. Um, This was a really interesting episode for me specifically because I run my own agency. We don't do talent management, but um, it was interesting to pick Allie's brain on how to scale an agency, how to deal with employees, how to hire and fire. Um, And so she was super, super open with all of her stuff. You know, a lot of the times when you find someone that's in a similar competitive landscape, people can be really hush hush about their experiences. But Allie was such a wealth of knowledge and so open and really allowed me to pick her brain. So I'm really stoked about this episode. Yeah, Be Social definitely legitimized influencer industries, the industry, and also made it a very compelling um, marketing driver for many, many brands. And she saw she w- she had the foresight to see that industry before it even erupted. Um, so she kind of talks a little bit about even how if any of and any of our listeners are looking to grow their audience, she gives like very tactical steps on um, little tips that you can do, softwares that you can utilize, platforms that you can sign up for um, that will really help you uh, to grow that audience, baby. Yeah, this is a value-packed episode with like super tangible action items. So take notes, listen up, and we will see you later. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. 
Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Allie Grant launched Be Social in 2012 as one of the first agencies with a hyper focus on executing influencer outreach and collaboration. Allie recognized the power of digital creators and built a business harnessing their influence. Today, the communications group is headquartered in downtown Los Angeles, specializing in influencer media and events for brands and digital creators. With Allie at the helm, Be Social has been named one of Inc.'s fastest growing businesses, spearheading digital forward campaigns across influencers, events, and editorial. To further expand on the mission to build the next generation of brands and entrepreneurs, Be Social has launched Social Series, an IRL event series to build and connect offline. The firm supports and is partnered with the Freedom and Fashion nonprofit, which uses the arts of fashion and beauty to empower youth overcoming trafficking, homelessness, and other injustices. Without further ado, Allie. Hello, and what a great welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the pod. You are such an accomplished (laughs) individual, and we are so excited to get into everything that you're about. I mean, Be Social, I just have so many thoughts because when I heard about that you have an entire agency surrounding around influencers and really capitalizing on them and I look at you as being like, it's amazing how you have this foresight to really tap into that market when maybe people have it historically might've brushed them off to the side or have not legitimized them as actual businesses and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was certainly like the biggest challenge starting the business. Um, You know, not only did I have to sell in myself as like, hey, hire me and our agency, but I also had to sell in like influencer marketing actually works because whatever that was, 2012, people were really hesitant and brands weren't spending there yet. 
So it was definitely a challenge, but obviously like fast forward to today, every brand has opened up some sort of budget to work with influencers in some sort of capacity. So obviously times are a little bit easier now to sell in that service, but yeah, I definitely saw that like very early on and it was like at the beginning of just like sending out like literally shoes and swimsuits to mommy bloggers and having them post about it and seeing what that did for those brands in terms of sales and website traffic. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like this definitely has momentum. So oh my God. So I, can't, <laughs> I cannot wait to get into all of that before we do current fixations and get into that. I also just want to say that we worked with Be Social to put on our live event in January with Cassie and Michelle Randall, because you guys represent them. And it was such a pleasure working with your team. It was, oh. everything was amazing correspondence was, you know, on point all the time. Like it was great. So we had an actual working relationship with Be Social and got to experience that side of things. So that was really amazing. Um, yeah. Shall we do some current fixation? Yes, we shall. Okay. I will go. Um, so I, and get ready for Maddie to do an eye roll, have been really getting into the chakras. And so I am reading a book right now called Chakras Made Easy by Anodia Judith. I'm probably pronouncing her first name wrong. Um, our girl, Amber Lee, who's really into chakras, I texted her and asked her for a chakra book and she re uh, re recommended this author. But the book she recommended was like heavy duty. It was like $22, really kind of, I think, more dense. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know if I'm at the $22 commitment zone and like an actual piece of literature. So I bought the 199 version from the same author and it's just super basic, like just outlines the chakras. And what I love so much about it is that I'm really working on a lot of my emotional issues and I love being able to visually kind of associate them with a physical image in my body. So it just helps me make sense of fear and like where that lives in my body versus where love lives in my body versus where guilt lives in my body. And so being able to tap into that, I think my problem is that I've been a little bit disconnected with my body. And so chakra work actually connects the mind and the body together to work together to either clear certain toxicity levels out or to clear negative energy or to get yourself more grounded. And so I am just like, I think I'm going to read every chakra book ever written, to be honest. I think that's the path I'm walking down. I think I need that as well. <laughs> I know. Uh, Scout joked that I would do an eye roll, but we have had Amber Lee on the pod and she is the chakra girl. So I did my due diligence because I'm typically more of a science-based, factual-based type of person. Um, and, you know, I think when you're learning about the chakras, it can seem a little woo-woo, but there is actual... Um, scientific uh like biology that is associated to the chakras it's not necessarily mm -hmm. just this made up centers within your body it actually taps into nerve bundles that are throughout your parasympathetic nervous system so it really does align with biology so when i read that i was a little more like okay with people tubbing into their chakras but it's more so just like learning about your body learning about your energy centers and where certain like you said emotions live like where mm -hmm. that is very valid and that is we are humans we have bodies and we have yeah. chakras mm -hmm. oh my mm -hmm. god i am going to pull that clip and save it and just play it on repeat <laughs> for my entire life because i do my research good job mads i love you okay what's your current <laughs> fixation mads okay so mine's um a little more basic as they say um so everyone knows i have been frequenting the tiktok and I have been getting all of my trends, all of my ideas from this stupid platform, okay? And so recently, this is not a new found product, but it's been revitalized because of TikTok. It is called the Maui Babe Browning Lotion, okay? This is like shit. It's like you put, it's like you're putting mud on your body when you go out to tan. Okay. And it's supposed to really enhance the tanning process and, um, expedite it. And then I also got the healing lotion. So you put it on after, so it has like aloe vera and it kind of calms down any type of sun exposure and locks in the tan so that it doesn't fade, um, as quickly. 
so I tried it, um, for two days over the weekend and I got, I, and I'm, I'm a burner. I am like, go outside. I burn to a crisp instantly, even with sunscreen, everything. I don't get tan. I just burn and then goes back to white. So this actually gave me a little glow. I was feeling myself and I'm going to, I'm going to keep it up. Why don't you just use Lux Unfiltered? Um, because I don't, I love Lux Unfiltered. We, we love Sivan Ayla. We love Lux Unfiltered. Of course, it's the best gradual tan that you will ever put on your body. I just still cannot, I, I still can't get past the even like three minutes that it takes to wait for it to soak in. Like I need to put on, I need to put on clothes right away. And I, I, I will give her credit. Like it does sink in really fast, but I'm still that type of person where I, I'd rather just have the tan. Like I would rather just like be the tan, not put on the tan. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Allie, I, I, I don't know if we I love, follow we love that, but yeah, but I need that tan. So I need all that stuff as well. What's your current fixation? Oh, I feel like, oh, I'm on the spot. Um, so basically because we've been all staying at home, I've been forced to become my own nail technician. And so I was like the type of person that got my nails done like every other week. And it was like my ritual and I loved it. So I really had to learn how to do my own nails. So I've been using this brand Nailtopia and then I've been using some CND products. So might do some tutorials on the talk, not sure, but um, I feel like those are kind of my, my products right now. Yeah. I got the Olive and June at home manicure kit. Oh, I'm thriving with it. Thriving. I saw that. Okay. I might need that. It's so good. Like look at my feet. They're so good. Well, you can't really see, but it's, <laughs> I'll, I'll show you later. I have to do my fingers today, but it it looks like I went to the salon. Yeah. I feel like I've really perfected it. I'm like really good. So nice. But do you you think you're going to carry that out after quarantine or you're going to just go straight back to nail salon? I don't know. I mean, I obviously want to like support my like local nail salon, but I kind of enjoy doing it now. And I don't know. I just feel like it's simple. I'm obviously saving some money. So might try and continue. Yeah, that's my plan. We'll see how far we get, you know, I know. before we, before <laughs> we go tempting. back. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, so you started Be Social in 2012. Describe to us the moment, if there was a moment, where yeah. you realized, oh, influencers can make money, and oh, influencer marketing's a thing, and oh, they should have an agent. Yeah, so um, initially Be Social started just working with brands. So I was on the brand side, so working and sending product to what we called then like bloggers. Um, and obviously, I started seeing those results come in and like the return on investment, just sending product and seeing like the website traffic and sales. I started becoming good friends essentially with a lot of these bloggers at the time. Um, and so it's kind of providing free advice essentially. And, you know, they were starting to say, you know, this brand is, you know, reaching out to me and, you know, wants me to do X, Y, and Z, how much should I charge? So it's sort of like consulting and not monetizing it whatsoever. Um, and I was, you know, pointing these people into directions of another agency that had started at the time. that was kind of like the first in the space. And I was just pointing them that way. And then I finally got to a point where I was like, why am I turning away what could be like money for my company? So um, I kind of decided to pivot and launch that division, I guess, and started just signing like a handful of people I knew in the space that I had worked with. And the rest is history. You're you're on mute. Sorry. I drank some water and started choking. Um, You start, (laughs) so I put myself on mute. Um, you started in San Diego, which is because Maz and I are from San Diego. I live in San Diego. And so what did the really early days look like? Did you have an office? Were you working just you? Did you have a team, you know, walk us Mm. through like the first year of like officially being in business. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I like, don't like to count my first year in business. Cause I feel like it was just so janky. Right. Like I was just like hustling, like working around the clock, trying to get my website up, um, for the first I think four months, I just worked from my house, um, which was fine. And I quickly needed help. So I needed to get an employee. And then at that point I was like, uh, I guess I needed an office. So I did like a shared office situation, uh, with another company that was sort of in the space. They did like website building and whatnot. So 
which was very exciting because I feel like very early on I had my first employee and an office, which was a lot to juggle and handle initially. Um, and I think like the first honestly like year or two was just learn learning as I go. Um, and I feel like it was like the third or fourth year in business that things started to feel more real and like more legit. So walk us through the evolution of the services that you provide. So you mentioned at the beginning, it was more brand focused then you pivoted, but coming up to today, what are kind of the actual services that influencers can use be social for? Yeah. So we have two divisions. We have one that services brands. Um, and that's where we do editorial work, like, uh, media placement essentially, and then influencer work. So product seeding and paid campaigns. And that's mostly for a lot of like beauty lifestyle wellness brands. And then we have our talent division and that's where we represent about a hundred digital influencers, basically people who have like a big social footprint. Um, and we 360 help them. So monetizing their social media platforms from YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, like all the things um, to help them like grow, monetize. Um, and then also, you know, other revenue streams. So building out maybe a podcast or books or product lines um, and keep them growing and, you know, come up with new ideas and essentially manage their entire career um, with the goal that we're all making a lot of money together. <laughs> and sorry, they kind of cut out. How many influencers oh. do you represent right now? We have just about a hundred. Okay. So there's a hundred influencers. Yeah. How many people work for you? We have 20 on staff right now. Okay. Got it. And then if, what's the vetting process like? If someone's like, yo, I'm an influencer. I would love to be referenced by Be Social. What, what do you go through yeah. to see if it's a good fit? Yeah. So we're lucky enough to have, you know, made a name for ourselves. So we do get a lot of inquiries daily, weekly, uh, people wanting to be represented. Um, it's like a handful of things. Obviously we want to look at their social profiles, kind of see what their content is like, um, how big is their following? What's their engagement like? Um, but I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, what is their goals through like a partnership with an agency like ours? Like, what do they want out of it? Um, because it really is like a two-way street. We both have to put a lot of work into it. So for us, we really want someone that's like ready to hustle, has a lot of, you know, lofty goals in mind and is like ready to work really hard for them. Um, and is like creative and has a niche that's like different and unique that they're covering. Um, but it's definitely not just like about the amount of followers. It's like much more than that. And so you, you know, you started repping these influencers. How, how did you get to the caliber of what you are now? Like, how did you create this reputation? Because you have people like Cassie Randolph and like Kaylin Carter, these really, really, you know, big personalities and people who have large social media footprints, as you mentioned. So kind of was, was there just like a one big influencer that signed with you and then the others kind of came or how was the strategy there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in the early days I had kind of already proven my reputation in terms of working with them on the other side and being that brand representative and just seeing how we work, you know, in that regard. Um, but I think also it was, you know, one of my earliest clients was Caitlin Carter. I mean, I've been working with her for years now. Um, and we did a lot of like great things together in the beginning, like really monetized her platforms, launched a blog for her. You know, there was a lot of things that we did that um, I think a lot of people took notice of. Um, and so she was obviously a great referral source for me in the beginning. And the fact that she was just really happy with what we had done for her career um, and how we worked together. So that was, you know, a part of it. We also, you know, now represent a lot of people in the reality TV space. Uh, one of our first, I think, Bachelor franchise um, personalities was um, Tenley. And then we represented Becca Tilly. Um, and I think our work there, you know, that taking someone off a reality TV show and then really making them this like huge social media presence. And like to date, Becca has, you know, an amazing podcast, a merch line. She's launching a product soon. She did a clothing line of Macy's. Her social media is growing. So 
She works with like some of the largest brands. Um, so that was like a real case study and kind of what we could do with someone kind of coming off of a show who wanted to elevate and to monetize. And so I think people just kind of see that and um, the work that we've done kind of speaks for itself. And I think that's a, a big way we get referrals. And sometimes we'll target someone, right? Like we are like, we want to sign this person and we'll go after them. And it's kind of like a, you know, a process of trying to win them over. <laughs> okay. So, oh, yeah, go Mads. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, we've, we've met you before and you are obviously just like a rad chick. You are a cool hang and you're awesome. <laughs> So obviously you have this incredible reputation and people trust you to provide the services and actually follow through. And there's this business side, but, and I also just have, have this feeling that be social and your employees and you kind of blend this like, like friendship aspect and it makes it feel like your your the your clients, the influencers that you represent, are your friends. And I don't think I've ever seen that really in this space or in like agencies. Like you don't just like hang out with your agent, you know, or your PR. So kind of walk through that balance of how you do, you know, draw a professional line, a boundary. I mean, the girls that represented Cassie and Michelle the night of our live event came to dinner with us and it was great. And they were drinking with us and it was so fun. And we were like, we love you. So it's just, you know, how do you find that, that balance? Um, but also make sure that they trust and have fun with you and, mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And like, quite frankly, I feel like I tiptoe across the line a little too far sometimes. And it's definitely something I've had to kind of pull back on. Um, but I also think like the, you know, mission and premise of Be Social and the company is like being social and being friendly and being out there. So I feel like it would be odd if we weren't close with our clients and didn't have a relationship with our clients. Like our business is built on relationships. So, um, and I think a lot of the reason a lot of the girls and guys that are signed with us are because they do have a strong relationship with us and that's how we keep them. Um, but it, you know, how we prove that credibility is like making sure like, yes, it's fun to like go out and have a drink and be friends and have fun together. But at the end of the day, like we have to get shit done and do good work for them or like our credibility is out the door. So I think that's the, the balance. And also there's times, especially in a working relationship where there are hard conversations you have to have and you kind of have to put your friendship aside for a little bit, especially if it's, you know, related to something like a contract or money or whatever it might be. So those times are difficult, but at the end of the day, like as long as that client trusts you and believes in you, I think having that like warm, fun friendship is just you know, a fun addition to the whole thing. Yeah, I can relate because I think we talked about this last time I saw you. I run my own agency. We don't do anything with influencers, but I have developed like such close relationships with some of my clients. Like some of my clients are very business. Like we only talk business and then other clients are so much more personal, especially because Mads and I have our whole lives on the internet and my Instagram is like way more personal. And so if anyone wants to know anything about me or hear me talk like a fucking crazy person, they can go listen to my podcast. So I think it, I think it does bring an extra layer. And I think it's also a woman thing. Like, I think that as a woman, you get to determine what those client relationships look like. You don't have to follow this strict, like corporate male dominated agency model. So I think it's really a woman thing, in my opinion, like that we can bring that level of warmth, but also like get down to business and understand that, that, you know, when a contract comes up, you know, we can have those conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about selfishly um how you went or or maybe this is not true what your role is today because as someone who's I'm going into my second year of my agency like I'm in the weeds I'm doing the pitching yeah. I'm doing the client work like I have two team members but you know like I'm I'm in the weeds how did you go from being like the sole person to then stepping into a more of a CEO role and managing the company and allowing others to take control of the weed situation what was that process like for you 
Okay, sisters, we wanted to take a quick break to talk to you about Ritual. We all know we want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. Especially during quarantine, health is at the complete forefront of our minds. But even if we eat the kale salads and drink the green smoothies, which I'm guilty, I drink a smoothie every morning, we're still most likely not getting all the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. So enter Ritual, the obsessively researched and super, super cute vitamin for women. From D3 to Omega-3, Rituals Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. So for the obsessive label readers, all of Rituals' vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergy-free ingredients are out there. So guys, it's super easy to get behind. And did we mention it's like a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients? I was actually getting super into vitamins and nutrients, and I bought like 10 huge bottles. They took up a huge space in my house, and it was expensive. This is the best way to get everything you need in an affordable way and a way that's super cute. Mads, tell us how you take your ritual. I take my ritual in the mornings. I have all my little pills that I have to take, probiotics and things like that. So I just add in my ritual um, during that little morning ritual. And it tastes like mint. So you don't get that like gross aftertaste and you're not like swallowing it and like wanting to like you know, barf it back up because when you, if you've ever taken like fish oil or certain vitamins, it's really hard to swallow down, but ritual is, makes it so easy because they have this little mint fresher in it. So it feels like you're literally just swallowing a mint and you get all those nutrients, baby. Yeah, so better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is giving the sisterhood 10% off, not during your first month, but your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that supports a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash OKSIS to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash OKSIS. Yeah. And it was a really hard process. Like I will be the first to say, like, I am not the best like employee manager. Like I'm much more of like an executor doer idea person. So that's been like the biggest challenge in business for me. Um, and I think obviously the first step is like hiring people you trust and hiring people that know more than you and like building that team around you so you can start to let go. But I think even, I mean, to this day, it's still difficult and an organization of 20 people, like I'm definitely still part of like the nitty gritty and some of the weeds, but it's, you know, a lot less of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like a matter of hiring really good people that you trust and, you know, letting them go and do their thing. Um, but it's not easy, especially when it's like your baby and you're like, oh, I could just do that. Or, you know, I'd rather handle that. It's like, you got to let go and like focus on like the bigger picture and growing the company as a whole. Yeah. Relinquishing control is definitely, I foresee something that I will have when I have my own company one day, uh, that is going to be, I know the hardest part just because I am such a control freak. And I, I, I was the girl growing up in class where like, if it was a, a group project, like I would just do it. Cause I was like, I don't trust anyone to, with my grade, like I, I'll just do it all. So, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's a very challenging position to created something so special and you know, you could do it great. But I think once you kind of get through that, those growing pains and the learning curve, you can kind of find that some other people might even do it better or elevate it or put their own spin and like you could see things in a way that you probably had never even thought of before. Yeah, absolutely. On that topic, you say that like you have to trust the person. So I had my own experience in hiring my first two employees and they were people that I sought out and was like, I trust you. Um, how do you, what's your hiring process? Like, what do you look for in an employee? How, you know, how long does it take for you to really get to know somebody and, and what kind of yeah. factors do you make in deciding? It's yeah. A big decision. I, yeah, no, it is. And, um, I always like think about the phrase and think it's like hire slowly, fire quickly. Um, I think some of my mistakes in the beginning were just like hiring quickly because I needed someone and I was like desperate and just brought someone in that I thought would be a good fit. Um, but now we definitely take a lot longer and they go through quite a process of like various interviews with different people within the organization. Um, there's usually some sort of like writing test. Like we want to spend a lot of time with these people before we bring them in and make sure they're a culture fit. 
um, and like have that like hustle mentality that we need. Um, but we typically use LinkedIn for hiring or ZipRecruiter. Um, so those are kind of the platforms we utilize to find people. And then it's literally just like initial phone calls, bring them in person, um, try and get to know them. Um, but it's, it's difficult. Like, you know, you're going to make mistakes in hiring. It's just like part of having a company and organization. And the thing is like people interview really, really well. Right. And then you bring them in and you're like, what the hell? Like, this is not what I was expecting. So but also part of that is like being a good manager and like helping them grow and like helping them fit within your organization in a way that makes sense. I want to talk a little bit more about the data side of things. Um, okay. You know, you, you mentioned that you are, the goal is to monetize and grow influencers platforms. So what kind of, do you have like a software or something? Cause I, I'm also just like interested in Instagram and analytics and growth mm -hmm. strategy what do you guys use to either like track campaigns or to track growth and to really get on top? And like, what kind of metrics do you follow and think are yeah. the most important? Yeah. I feel like it's changing literally all the time. Um, but the platform that our agency utilizes, we do like year long software contracts is called creator IQ. Um, and it's really interesting. Like you can do a lot with it. Um, it works both for like the talent side as well as the brand side. So you can track campaigns, you can track growth, um, really literally like anything. It's also a good like discovery platform to find influencers that you want to work with if you're a brand. Um, so that's something we've been using um, quite a lot. We also use Forcard. I think they call themselves like Four now, F-O-H-R. Um, and you can sign up for that as an influencer and has really great data kind of showing um, your growth. Um, if you're verified, basically like looking to see like how qualified your following is. You can create like a little media kit. There's also like brand partnerships that you can apply for on there. So I love that platform, especially for someone who might not have like a manager or agent. It's like definitely a good one to be on. Um, there's another one called Aspire IQ that's sort of similar to that as well. Um, but yeah, from like the brand side, mostly creator IQ and, um, you know, it kind of, they all kind of change in terms of like what their API is and like how they can like connect with Instagram and what data they can pull. Um, but for the most part, yeah, those are, I mean, for us, like impressions, engagement rates, and kind of looking at the verification of their following. And then when, when you bring on an influencer, what kind of, and I mean, you don't need to get too into this, but consulting wise, like what, what apps or things do you tell them that they should use in order to like create content or like, do you advise on content or like, how do you how do you tell them like, Hey, you're going to need to put in some work here too, to create the content that's then going to grow. So what kind of tools do you give them? Yeah. I think, you know, first and foremost, we sort of brainstorm, like, what is your niche? Like, what are you like about on social media? Like what topics do you cover and what are the pillars of content that you post about? Like what makes you interesting? So kind of defining that first. So there's like a purpose and the reason that they're posting um, and then from there, like, we're really big on, like, be active, like, post frequently, um, diversify your platform. So don't just do static IG, like, do stories. Is it, does it make sense for you to have a blog or a podcast? Like, should you get on TikTok? Like, thinking through all of that um, and then being consistent with, you know, uploading content. Um, and then, like, I used to be really big on, like, oh, you need a professional photographer and you need to spend time creating content. But I'm like so over that and I feel like consumers are over that. So I think an iPhone is totally fine. It's just like frequency and like getting content up on time. Um, and then you can like plan it out with like Planoly or something like that. I love Visco for like photo editing, which is like really simple to use. Um, but beyond that, I mean, really these are people who should be creators first and foremost, right? So they need to do their job in terms of creating so we can build a business around it. So if someone's coming to us, like not understanding how to create content for social media, it's like not necessarily like the best fit. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's also like a huge, that I've run into a huge expectation situation where when you do have a client, sometimes the client expects you to be responsible for a certain outcome that maybe isn't in line with their workload versus your workload and all that good stuff. And that gets really tricky. And I 
am a people pleaser. And so the fact that I have clients is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard because <laughs> it's like not okay. But I've had to learn how to put boundaries up and say like, yeah. and really get really clear about my deliverables and my responsibility and what your responsibility is. And I can't do my job if you don't meet me in this area. But mm -hmm. it's like, it's so emotional for me, at least. I don't know if it's emotional for you, but for me, it's fucking emotional. Like, I feel like you get really, not attached, but you you root for these people. And then, as we said earlier in the beginning of the conversation, it mixes that friendship with, with business. And so yeah. what have been, like, throughout this entire process, what have been some of the growing pains, either emotionally or just straight up business-wise, mm -hmm. that you went through as you continually scaled the agency? Yeah, I think to your to your point, like I always was like a yes person in the beginning because I was like, I have to hustle, I have to do this. Like sometimes I was like being asked to do things that like were just totally not in scope or nor did I like really know how to do. But I like am also a people pleaser in some regard. <laughs> um, so would just say yes and do it. So I feel like the power of saying no is really important because when you do, it's like you maintain like the respect, I feel like. And just like making sure you're staying in scope with whatever your agreement says, because you're basically going to like run yourself into the ground. You're going to have poor results. You're going to ruin your reputation. It's like this cycle that just like, isn't going to be positive in the end. So I would say learning to say no has been kind of a, a big lesson for me. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> oh no, sorry. I kind of like, did I answer it? I, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of jumbled a bunch of stuff. I was saying like, unless this is it, the growing pains you've gone through as you scaled yeah. was learning how to say no, which is a yeah, very, say that very would be, Yeah, that would be it. And then like the hiring process again, learning how to be a good manager. I think that is so difficult. Like you get into business because you like doing a certain thing, right? Like you like influencer editorial or you're creative and good at writing, but like owning a business and scaling a business requires you to know a lot about things that you probably don't accounting, legal, HR, like leases and offices and like stuff that just like literally sucks. So, um, I think that has been a huge lesson is like my day to day isn't about what I started this company for, you know, influencer marketing. Like I'm more focused in like the operations and the business and I didn't go to business school. Like I have a degree in journalism. So I feel like every day I'm kind of trying to learn something new. Um, my favorite book regarding like managing staff is uh, Radical Candor. So if you haven't read that, you totally should. I've heard of it. I'm going to order it. Well, I'm not ordering it. I'm just going to download it on my iPad. That sounds great. Um, I want to bring up a controversial topic oh, and gosh, okay. trying to figure out how to say it. So I think the word influencer has a lot of connotations and I think it has gone through so many life cycles in such a short amount of time of what it means and, um, legitimizing it and, um, and what have you. So you being in this space for as long as influencers have been around, talk to us of the word itself and your relationship to it. Because I think before I started this podcast, and I'm, I will admit, I may have seen influencers as not a legitimate job. And I think a lot of people view it as that too. And there is this kind of a Jew or like a it's kind condescending of just, really condescending yeah. there's yeah there's just this there's this connotation around it that just is unfair for people who are one I mean you could just say like look at the data look at the money like you know it is a job so kind of talk to me through that term what it means to you and kind of how you've seen the public reception in terms of business like how it's changed yeah. I mean, yeah. To your point, like first like jokes on them because these people make like so much money. <laughs> um, exactly. yeah. So that's first. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it first started, like we called them bloggers, right. And that and like involved or evolved into influencer. And I think like to this date today, like the word influencer is like, some people think of it like negatively, like there's influencers in the wild, which like captures people and makes fun of people like creating content outside like 
I feel like it's sort of a term that's kind of like silly nowadays. And I think people are sort of pivoting to the word creator. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, these people, this is so a career, right? Not only is there tons of money in it, but they are working with like huge brands. Creating content isn't simple. Like there is like, you need to have a brain and like ideas and like hustle to be successful in this. And think about it, like literally everyone wants to be an influencer now, right? So the people who are actually creating a career and monetizing it, like that's awesome. And there's not that many that can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think even like in my personal friend circle or with family and you know, whatnot, they, there's still a little bit of like, I don't quite understand what these people do, or it's sort of like seen as, you know, silly, or there's like, you know, it's condescending when people talk about it. But I think in like the business world, if you work for a brand in marketing, like influencer is like not a joke to you anymore. Like you're like, okay, I get it. And I need to have a budget for it. And there it works. And you know, there's ROI there. So yeah. I feel like gone are the days of brands thinking that way. Yeah. And also we had um, Liv Perez on the podcast and she made an excellent point. She said the influencer space, whatever you want to call it, content creation, blogging, whatever is, I don't know, probably a billion dollar industry at this point. And it is so dominated by women. And she was like, what if this industry was dominated by men? Would people be as condescending and as quick to say these girls don't do anything? Because they do more probably than the average nine to fiver, if you're, if you're really thinking about it. So I just thought that was a really interesting way to think about culturally. Is it like, uh, as women, we've created a billion dollar industry that should mm -hmm. be celebrated and and yeah. at the top of the mountains but instead people are embarrassed when they take a picture in public you know what I mean it's mm -hmm. just so interesting to me mm -hmm. yeah and I still think people are you know I see it when someone's like you know if I'm with one of the talent I represent they're like what do you do and I think people sometimes still like fumble with that or embarrassed to say I'm an influencer or I, or I create content online so I still feel like people are feeling a bit odd about that but I mean I'm sure that'll go away soon it's just like such a big industry now yeah definitely it's a personal brand I'm building a personal brand exactly and I'm working yeah. with huge brands along the way yeah um okay I would like to pivot to my favorite topic TikTok oh my so, gosh yes you mentioned TikTok a couple times but something I think I want to more so discuss is your team's adaptability because this platform obviously like blew up and mm -hmm. you I think you guys have history and being able to quickly adapt and be malleable to the changes especially because it, there are so many and so frequent um so kind of how did how did TikTok first get on your radar and then you were like oh yeah we need to like jump mm -hmm. on this with all of our clients and put together some sort of strategy. So kind of walk us through your relationship yeah. to TikTok and that. So um, if, I don't know how, was it like a year ago? Maybe longer, I'm not sure. But the company, the parent company, ByteDance, had reached out to us and were kind of like telling us how they're launching this platform. Can, they, can we help them get some of our creators onto it? So that was kind of like the first time I had heard about it. And I thought it was interesting, kind of like dove into it. I really, at the time, which was such a miss, I didn't think it would blow up in the way it did. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, we'll take the information. We'll think about it. And obviously, it started growing rapidly from there. Um, so we got reconnected with their team, kind of learned like best strategies on like how to grow on the platform. We gave that information to the clients that, you know, we represent um, and then, you know, we're like, get on this platform if it makes sense for you. And for a lot of them, it didn't, but for some of them, you know, they're very active on it and we definitely highly encourage it. Um, and then from there now we're basically on the platform looking for talent to sign because there's this like whole pool of people that don't necessarily like have an Instagram following or any other following anywhere. It's solely on that platform. 
And so that's kind of been our challenge now or kind of what we're working on is signing TikTok specific talent. Oh my God. I love that. So talk about the brand side though. Have you seen when you talk to brands, have any of them kind of bit on doing ads or uh, Mm -hmm. working with people working with your clients that do have Instagram followings, but then being like, Hey, actually I want to do a thing on TikTok." Yeah, it was kind of slow to roll because, um, analytics were not super readily available initially. Um, but they've rolled that out obviously, as well as like link building or link tracking and swipe ups and things like that, or things people really want now. Um, so we're still challenged with that, but no, we're starting to see more brands be interested in it. Um, and it's kind of like the wild, wild west in terms of like pricing for it and how it works. And I think brands are a little bit scared because you could, you know, activate with someone and their video can like flop or go viral. Like, it's like, it's not as like, you know, consistent as say like on Instagram, I'm going to probably get like 5,000 likes, you know, on TikTok, it's like, it's all over the place. So I think that's been kind of the hesitation. Um, but no, we've started doing, you know, paid campaigns on TikTok. I think some of the like major brands are starting to roll that out now too. So I definitely think there's going to be a, a big pivot there. Mm-hmm. Um, Mads, I, I feel like once you go viral, you can be a TikTok, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're not viral yet, but eventually be- we will go. I mean, are you guys active on it? We're so fucking active and it's embarrassing. Allie. We, are, we, we, I mean, we mentioned this on every fucking episode. We are churning out premium content and oh my God. crickets, crickets. Like really? How except many five, views like, except, is your best oh, video? Well, okay. Oh, one, actually, one, one video got 10,000. video I got 10,000 views. But the rest okay. isn't like the 200 zone. Okay. Like it's pathetic. I need to look at it. So no, don't, I'm embarrassed. No, do and give us some tips. And also, I think it's amazing. So be confident, Scout, in our (laughs) TikTok presence. I'm like obsessed with TikTok. Like I'm honestly like, I don't, I actually have this new rule where I'm like not allowed to scroll Instagram because I was like too addicted. So I'm like, I'm, I'm allowed to post and whatever, but I'm not allowed to like scroll and like do my own stalking anymore. So (laughs) it just got too dark. So I now just can scroll on TikTok and I'm just obsessed my new addiction it's all i do I, I i scroll for hours like you literally you open the app and then two hours go by you're like oh well <laughs> like it's you cannot it's stop so true. it is yeah. so 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 good that is yeah. terrifying that is terrifying because like i <laughs> i did the same thing i like got into tiktok because i like made fun of ads for it for a while and then all of a sudden i was on my couch and i was just scrolling and i didn't want to get up and i was like this is the best content i've ever seen in my life it's so good. It's so good. Okay. Well, I hope you guys go viral. You have to like look at like the, there's also like a TikTok report um, where they like put together like all the trending hashtags. You just have to like be on top of that. Like do use the trending music, use the trending little like dances and whatnot and it'll oh, do well. Ali, you're going to have such a field day when you go to our TikTok. <laughs> I'm doing literally every doing fucking dance. <laughs> I make so much fun of my, I am making a fool of myself on this okay. app. And then I'm okay. lazy and I just kind of show up every now and then. Okay. All right. I'll take That's a great. look and let, let you guys know what I think. Okay. okay. You're amazing. Um, I kind of feel as if throughout this episode that Lauren Everts on the Skinny Confidential posted an episode saying how you shouldn't ask someone for coffee to pick their brain because it's rude to their entire, you know, thing. And I feel like I just did that to you, but that is the <laughs> amount of value and incredible, tangible action items, tips, emotional boundaries, whatever you just gave. Like, seriously, we, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and being this open about your business and the way you structure it and the landscape behind it. Cause I think it's something people are really interested in and don't know how these things work. Oh, well, thank you. It was really fun. Okay. Okay. Our last question. Oh yeah. Oh my God. We didn't do this last time, Mads. We forgot. Okay. Um, if you think it's a new thing. thing. Yeah. So we're kind of like on and off with it. Um, if you could brag about one thing of your business and don't be humble, be as arrogant as possible. What would you brag about? I hate this question. I know. That's why we love like talking about myself and I'm like, I, in the worst salesperson of my own self. Um, oh my God. What do other people say? This is so hard. I can't, Here, I'll uh, go. Can do I have a pass? Go? 
Yeah, I want you to go. Yeah, okay. I want you to go. I am proud that I hit a six-figure revenue in my first year of my agency. Okay. Um, I think I'm proud that I was able to see the power of influencers and build a business on that. There you go. Amen. Did that feel good? Yeah, it felt good. (laughs) She's like recoiling. (laughs) What more? What more? (laughs) I love it. Okay. Uh Let everyone know where they can find you and be social. Yep. Um, I mean, Instagram, Allie Grant, TikTok at Allie Haley Grant. Someone took Allie Grant. I was so upset. Um, and then be social group for all things be social. Awesome. And you can find us at OKSIS Podcast. Thanks, sister. Thank you. That was so fun. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.